0: Good morning and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I am senior pastor here and I had a great vacation. It was so good that I forgot to put my microphone on this morning. So uh, Pastor Kevin is going to search for that for me and bring it to me so that we can transition to my normal mic this morning. But I am so glad to have you with us this morning. I went inside and, and worshiped for just a few minutes inside our sanctuary with those who had gathered in there and sang and came and sang out here. Such an incredible opportunity that God's given us to be able to uh, meet the needs of our church body in a variety of ways so whether you are uh, comfortable being indoors and uh, appreciate the comfort of air conditioning that opportunity is there we've got uh, uh, some some live music in there as well that coincides with what's happening outdoors for those of you that are more comfortable being outside of course uh, there's a lot of you gathered out here today and uh, and have been in your vehicles or in our lawn and of course we also continue to have the opportunity to gather and to worship online. So uh, we are glad that you've joined with us in whatever way, shape, form, or fashion that you have done so. This morning I have a few announcements and then we have something unique that's going to take place in just a few moments. I'm going to ask Rachel Blackburn, is this mic working now? Okay, good. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask Rachel Blackburn to join me up here. Um, as some of you are aware, but the way that 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 the shutdown has created, not all of you are aware that in, in just about a week, Rachel is going to be leaving us. She's going to be um, moving uh, for at least a period of time to Scotland, where she will be trying to pursue God's call there uh, for for what she believes is, is a missions call. And so, in just a few moments, we're going to have a commissioning for her, and I'll explain a little bit more of that. So that's going to be happening this morning. Uh, This evening, I want to remind you all, we do have a fellowship uh, set up, a tailgate fellowship. We did one of these uh, several weeks ago. It went really well. We gather outdoors right over here. The blessing is that by 6 o'clock in the evening, all of those trees become shade for us. And so, if you would like to join us, we'd love to have you. Had a really good time uh, some people bought, brought a grill. Others just brought uh, Sonic cheeseburger. Whatever you want to do, we invite you to come. We won't be providing anything on our own, but you bring your own food. Bring a table. Bring a tailgate. Whatever you want to bring, and enjoy that time together. Uh, finally, and 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 this is going to excite some of the younger of us more than anything else. I'm going to say today, but on. Wednesday night, children's ministry returns at Malvern Hill Baptist Church, and we are super excited about that. Uh, I I don't know all the details because I've been on vacation for a week, and Miss Rhonda doesn't inform me about a lot of things. She likes to keep big secrets. But uh, what children and parents need to be, be aware of is that this Wednesday night at 6.30 is a pretty big time in the life of our children and our youth. We don't. We're not able to do what we normally do to welcome children into into the new uh, eras of ministry where they move up in our student ministry or move kind of from preschool into sort of the children's ministry aspect. But this Wednesday night at 6:30, children and youth will all be gathered here. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna begin in the sanctuary. We will practice social distancing. Spread everybody out. Parents, you can drop your kids off at 6:30. We'll make sure that there's enough uh adult supervision to take care of that uh if you have questions about what's going to happen some of you that might want to just see what's going to go on we're going to try to see if we can't live stream some of it but um children's ministry youth ministry all those things pay attention to your email if you have questions call miss Rhonda, send her an email or you can find her today and speak to her from at least six feet of distance and she'll be more than happy to hear from you all right those are the things that we have going on over the course of this week. Thank you so much for being with us. had a great vacation. I want to thank Buster and all the others who uh, participated and made worship happen. Uh, during these days of quarantine and social distancing, the steps that are required to make worship happen are more than we've ever known in the past. We've got sound engineers in multiple places and video engineers and we've got video camera operators and we've got people that drag cables and drag trailers. And I just want to thank all of you for all that you've done to make this possible. And for all of you that continue to come out and be supportive of the worship ministries here at Malvern Hill Baptist Church, we look forward to the day when we can all shake hands and hug necks again and do so in a way that makes us comfortable. But until then, we are so grateful that the church of Jesus Christ need not run from anything that the world may offer. We can continue to worship God with confidence to know that He is still in control. And with that in mind, we want to be reminded that even though coronavirus and all these other things have changed a lot, it's not changed the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Christians are still called to be the kinds of people above all else who are carrying the good news of the message of Jesus Christ, not only to our neighbors, but to the world beyond. And with that in mind, I'm going to ask Miss Rachel Blackburn to come and join me this morning. She was more than happy to join me on the asphalt and not climb up on the trailer. Um, Some of you are aware, but Rachel has been involved with our ministry to Scotland with the Herald's Trust now for a number of years, two summers ago, two summers ago, right? Or one summer ago? 26, whoa, a lot of summers ago. When did you spend 10 weeks there? Two summers ago, okay. Two summers ago, she actually spent 10 weeks there uh, through the summer. She's been a teacher now for a number of years, and so those summers have been available for her to do those kinds of things. Um, but uh, through a, a series of, of events that she would be more than happy to talk to you about um, uh, in, in person, I could give you the mic if you want to tell the whole story. You're good, right? Uh, through a series of events, the Lord, um, she's felt her heart pulling her towards Scotland for a number of years. What she told me the other day, she said, I feel more at home there than I do here and that's not an indictment against any of you all uh this church is her spiritual home here and uh, that is something that, uh, as as her pastor, I told her this privately, but I'll say publicly, it's been a joy for me to see over the 10 years that she's been a part of Malvern Hill. She celebrated 10 years just just recently, or will celebrate 10 years, and in those 10 years, God has grown her in incredible ways. Um, I've seen Rachel just respond in obedience, uh, not only to the call to mission, but in obedience to to the call to, to obey Christ, in, in the daily aspects of her life. And those, that journey has taken her uh, a long way from an immature believer 10 years ago, I think that would be a safe thing for me to say, uh, to, a, to a leader uh, in our church, among our student ministry, and, and, and an active participant in missions. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to commission Rachel now, we're not commissioning Rachel forever because Rachel doesn't know what this looks like long-term. We know that she's going to be away from us from now until December, uh, and in that time we're praying that the Lord would give clarification for her as to whether or not Scotland is a long-term ministry location for her or whether or not it's going to continue to be a part of her, her ministry kind of part-time as it has been for a number of years. Uh, but we're going to commission her, and as a church, we've got the opportunity to provide some financial support for her. I know some of you have already provided some financial support, uh, but this morning, since she is going out as an extension of our church, we want to take a, part, a, a an opportunity to commission her officially and sort of um, uh, um, spiritually. that's the word I'm looking for, uh, not just as uh, as a, as a lone ranger Christian going out to seek to do something, um, but As a part of Malvern Hill Baptist Church, uh, an extension of our church, going into the nations to carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's some ladies that uh, have been investing in Rachel for uh, a number of years, and in particular over the last several months. And we're going to ask. She's already asked those those folks, and I'm going to ask you guys, are you ladies to come forward? Uh, It's been the practice of the church uh, for for time immemorial, since as long as the church has existed for the church to lay hands on those that it's sending out. During coronavirus, the laying on of hands is a little awkward. uh, But these are some ladies that she has kind of quarantined with um, and that have invested in her life. And so we're going to ask them to come forward this morning and to lay hands on Rachel. And I'm going to lead a prayer uh, over Rachel. And in so doing, we're commissioning her as a part of our church to go out and to carry the good news of the gospel not only to her neighbors, but to our international neighbors where she'll be staying and living in Edinburgh, Scotland. Join with me, if you would, as we pray this morning. Father God, the Great Commission has no time limit. Lord God, the Great Commission is not bound by pandemic or plague. It is certainly, Lord God, not bound by national boundaries. Father God, the Great Commission is the commission, the command, the marching order of all believers in Jesus Christ to carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And so, Father God, this morning, we commit Rachel to you as she seeks to follow you in obedience. Father God, she's walking in faith, not exactly sure what the future holds, but confident, Lord God, that you are in control of her future. Father, as she takes these steps, I pray, Lord God, that you would give clarification and confirmation That, Father, you would help her to understand where it is that she would be long-term, what your plans are for her. But, Lord God, as long as she seeks to understand what lays beyond December, I pray that she would not neglect to invest heavily in the moments at hand. That, Father God, in the days that she has, Father God, that she would make an impact and a difference. That, Father, as she carries the good news of Jesus Christ, that she would find hearts and minds that are receptive, Father, to evangelism and discipleship, that, Father, she would represent Christ and his church well, that, Lord God, she would go as an extension of Malvern Hill Baptist Church, carrying the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you would keep her safe and protect her. And, Father God, I pray that you would give us a burden to continue to support her while she's away in whatever ways are necessary. And then, Father, as we pray, I pray also that you would raise up more. I pray that there would be many more goodbyes. Father, we never rejoice to lose brothers and sisters that we love, but, Father, we rejoice to see them go with you. And, Father, I pray that you would make us a church that sends more and more, Father God, into the international mission field. Father God, into the local mission field. Father, I pray you'd raise up missionaries and pastors pray you'd raise up deacons and Sunday school teachers and life group leaders. And, Father God, I pray that you wouldn't, Lord God, I I pray that you'd raise up people that wouldn't wait for an official commissioning. pray that you'd raise up people, Lord God, that would find somebody in whom they could invest, just as Rachel has. That, Father God, one by one, one relationship, one conversation, one investment at a time, you'll grow the kingdom of God, not only right here at Malvern Hill Baptist Church, but beyond. We trust in the power of your Holy Spirit to go ahead of Rachel and ahead of all of us. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Rachel, I am very proud of you, and I'm so excited to see what God has in store. And, church, I want you to see that this is a picture of what it looks like for men to invest in men and women to invest in women, for the church to be filled with disciple-making believers who are investing in one another. Ladies, thank you so much. And, Rachel, God bless you as you go. Rachel will be with us for one more week. She'll be leaving the first part of next week. So um, you guys take an opportunity to speak to her uh, this afternoon or tonight. Perhaps give her a phone call this week as she prepares her departure. Folks, if you turn in your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. But I also want to say, as I said, when we sent Luke and Patty Talbert out three years ago, there will be many more sad goodbyes if we are obedient to the command of Christ. Because if we are obedient to the command of Christ to raise up followers of Jesus, others will surrender to the call of Christ to go and to carry the gospel. Whether that be to foreign lands or to our neighbors and neighboring churches. And we pray that God would continue to do that. If you have your Bibles, we are in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. And, folks, I want you to know this is one of those challenging passages of Scripture. And if I had been more careful in planning my sermons, I probably wouldn't have planned to preach this one on the Sunday I came back from vacation. (laughs) But we're going to trust God's sovereign plan in overseeing my uh, lack of careful planning. And we're going to dig into this passage of Scripture that talks to us about the danger of apostasy and the question of whether or not we can be sure of our salvation. So stand with me in honor of God's Word, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read 12 verses. I know it's a little warm out here. If you feel uncomfortable standing, we all understand completely. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receiving, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Father God, I pray that you give us wisdom through your Word. Lord God, open your Word and open it up to our hearts and our minds that we may behold wonderful things from it and change us this morning. Father, for believers who are gathered with us in person or online, I pray that you would give them confidence in their salvation. And yet, Lord God, for those who may have trusted in false assurances, I pray today that you would show them the truths of their need for a Savior, that today could be the day of their salvation. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. The title of this sermon, Safety in Christ, and I ask this question, how can I be sure? How can you be sure? We wrestle with this question often, can a Christian lose their salvation? Well, the short answer, of course, is no, But the longer answer is that a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ cannot be torn away from the grip of Jesus Christ. But as often the case, the truth is sometimes clouded in something that resembles a sort of folk religion. In Southern Baptist circles, it's been common to claim, once saved, always saved. This is a statement that is true at face value, but it is only true when rightly applied. It is true that a saved person will always belong to Jesus Christ. It is, however, not true that a person who has had a religious experience and even shows some evidence of a Christian life is necessarily saved. Now, this gets me in some hot water. Some people don't like to hear this. There's a temptation when I critique that statement, once saved, always saved, for some people to accuse me of sort of works-based salvation. Those who might disagree with my position here remind me of Romans 10.13 that promises that all who call the name of the Lord be saved or that direct me to the story of the thief on the cross who need only utter Jesus. Have mercy and receive the promise of our Lord that on that day he would be with him in, in paradise. Hear me say the Bible is clear that salvation is a gift from God that is not dependent upon our works In fact, I would argue that one of the glories of salvation is that God doesn't save us because of our actions, but in spite of our sinful actions. He doesn't save us because of our decisions. He saves us in spite of our decisions from birth to reject Him and to follow after our own devices. God's grace is such that when we call upon the name of the Lord, He hears from heaven and He saves us, period, full stop. But what is a Christian? Of course, one answer is a Christian is one who has called upon the name of the Lord. But James warns in 122, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we are reminded that a Christian is not merely one who has uttered some sort of magic words. A Christian is one who belongs to Christ. A Christian is one who follows Christ, who looks like Christ, who clings to Christ. Now, if you don't like this, hold on. We're gonna bring it back in Mitch, just be with me. Jesus offers some terrifying words in Matthew seven twenty-one when he warns, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. It is with this warning in mind and others such as Jesus' warnings about producing good fruit that we approach Hebrews six. In Hebrews six we find a warning to all who would hear the word of God to be sure of their salvation. It is a warning to all of you hearing the Word of God preached this morning to be sure of your salvation is a warning to all of us to urge our children, our grandchildren, to be sure of their salvation. Hebrews 6 stands as a warning against trusting in the past, a warning against trusting in the actions of our past or the feelings of a moment, or even worse, the faith of our fathers and mothers. Hebrews 6 is a warning about the true nature of Christianity. A Christian, a follower of Jesus with a safe, and secure, a safe and secure eternity is one who has called upon the name of the Lord for salvation and has been saved. But listen to me. A, per, a saved person will look and act like a saved person. Now, do I get to set up a critique for exactly what a Christian looks like? No, but God's Word does. And God's Word doesn't give us a perfect prescription of what a Christian looks like, but God's Word does point us in the direction of understanding that a person that belongs to Jesus Christ will look different than they did before they gave their life to Jesus Christ. A person who belongs to Jesus Christ will be a person who is constantly being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, now, we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 6, we find ourselves in a unique place. There's a flow of an argument right here. The writer wants to move beyond the elementary principles of the faith, and that's what he says. He says in Hebrews 6, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and of instruction, Instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do if God permits, for it's impossible in the case of those who once been enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Now, there are various ways that this passage of Scripture has been interpreted through the years. And I believe, and and the majority of, of, of scholars seem to believe, that this passage of Scripture does not suggest that it is possible for a Christian to lose their salvation. Now, I believe that not only based on this passage of Scripture, but based on the litany of other passages of Scriptures. Scriptures such as John chapter 10, where Jesus promises us that those whom the Father has given Him are His indeed, and no one can snatch Him out of His hands. We have Scriptures that speak of the eternal salvation of the believer, but What the writer of Hebrews is moving towards is is his desire to move on from the elementary teachings of the Scripture and instead to deeper things. But he says, we might not be able to do that because some of you have not actually grasped those elementary principles, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apparently, when you take a week off preaching, you lose some of your, your voice. I don't know. I'm dying up here. Um. So, he, he's, he's saying that the foundation, before we can get to these other things, must be laid. We can't move beyond the elementary principles until they've grasped the elementary principles. Now, when we think about modern education, for instance, reading is the foundation of modern education. If there's a weakness in reading, it'll be exploited later in learning. That's why, like in, in South Carolina, one of the struggles that our elementary schools have right now there's, there's this, this fall off often in 4th and 5th grade and, and several other academic disciplines because we're struggling to get our kids reading at the level they need to be. And because there's that struggle in a foundation of reading, by the time they make it into 4th and 5th grade when science and social studies and math all require reading, then sometimes the child who's been making straight A's in math suddenly is making C's because their reading isn't strong enough to get them there. You understand we can't build up a building whether that be a human being, a person, educationally, certainly spiritually, unless we've laid a strong foundation. And folks, the foundation for a Christian life is salvation in Jesus Christ, period. And what the writer of the Hebrews warns is there are some who aren't growing up in Christ because the foundation hasn't been rightly laid. Now, he then offers some really strong judgments right here. He says that there are those for whom once they've fallen away, they're done. Now, what's he talking about right here? Is he talking about those who lose their salvation? No. Talking about those who have tasted the heavenly things, who perhaps for a period of time looked like believers in Jesus Christ, but then reached a point in time where they said, I will not follow after Jesus Christ. They turned their back on the church. They're unwilling to repent, and they live in active rebellion. Folks, I want to warn you. It is dangerous for those of us who belong to Jesus to give false assurance to people who are living in active rebellion against Jesus. It is dangerous for those of us who belong to Jesus to give assurance to those who are living in active rebellion against Jesus and his church. People who say, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what God says, I don't care what the church says, folks, there are those people that we need to look at them and say, you probably don't belong to Jesus. Not give them a false assurance that says, I'm sure it's okay. Okay. And I warn any of you who are here today who are wrestling with sin in your life, if you're unwilling to allow the Word of God to correct your sin, you need to ask yourself the question, why is that? Have you elevated your pride to a place of worship that you will not bow before Jesus? You say, Craig, that sounds pretty depressing. I don't want us to leave depressed today. But I do want to wrestle with the question of how is it that I can be sure of my salvation? See, I believe it's possible. I believe it is possible for a Christian to be 100% confident that they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's possible for a sinner to be saved and to be converted and to be 100% confident that after their conversion that nothing will take them away from Jesus. And I believe that this passage in Hebrews gives us four things we can see. The first thing this morning is we need to trust Christ. Trust Christ. Now, we run on in in chapter 6. He says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. How can they be sure? The first thing they need to do is trust Christ. How can he be confident? Trust Christ. Affirm your trust in Christ. One dictionary defines trust as a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of something or someone. Trust Jesus for salvation, That's that elementary principle that he's talking about, trust in Christ. When we speak of what it is to be a Christian, first and foremost, a Christian is one who trusts Christ completely. But understand, that complete trust begins with a simple trust in one who alone can save. Trust Christ. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved. Trust Him. Your trust may not be full grown yet. I want you to understand that. Your trust may not yet be full-grown. This is normal with young believers. This reminds us of the father in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, who longed to see his son healed. And he said, Lord, if you can. Jesus said, if I can, do you believe? Many of us will approach Jesus in a timid sort of way. Lord God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Will you trust Christ, even if that trust is imperfect or impure? Will you trust Christ with the confidence, as I've quoted in many recent weeks of Isaiah 42, that Jesus will not break off a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering wick? You see, some of you hear me warning about the dangers of of not truly being saved, and you fear that perhaps you are not. Folks, let me tell you, Let me tell you that if you have a question about your salvation, would you begin with just running to Jesus and say, Lord God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord God, make me more and more into your image and to trust in God's Word that though you may be weak, He is strong. Though you may be bruised, He will bind you up. Trust Christ. Number two this morning, how can you be sure? Cling to Christ. Hold on to Jesus hold on tight. We spent last week at the beach with our family. It, it was a really great time of rest and relaxation. We rolled the dice on, on, uh, on uh, social distancing and got together with our extended family. So if y'all don't want to be around me for a few days, I understand, but we got together with with my brothers and my parents and... Um, and my nephews, you know, I have two daughters. Nobody else in my family has girls, so my little girls are just queens when they walk in the door. They get spoiled by everybody, but uh, my nephew, one of my nephews is four, and he loves the ocean, but he loves the ocean to a point, right? And, and it's a point that's objective to him, but I have no idea where it is. So he is just as thrilled to death as he can be, but there's some place that only Reese knows, and when he gets there, he is afraid of the ocean. Now, understand, he's not so afraid that he wants out. He's just afraid to be by himself in the ocean, and he wants somebody to pick him up. Well, at four years old, they're cute, so they can convince their Uncle Craig to pick him up, and so their Uncle Craig picks him up, and they hold him tight. But what I realized and learned about Reese pretty quickly is that I don't actually have to hold on to Reese because Reese is afraid. He's like a little koala. If you just pick him up, you can let him go. And he just clings. In fear, he clings tightly. And, folks, he will hold on until you pass out. He is not scared. He does not let go. How can you be sure of your salvation? Folks, there are days when we are afraid. There are days when life is scary and hard. Can I urge you this morning that if you ever wonder or worry about whether or not you belong to Jesus... Rather than allow that worry and wonder to consume you, squeeze Jesus around the neck and hold on for dear life. Cling to the Word of God, the truths of God, the promises of God. How can you be sure that you belong to Christ? Hold on. When Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord in the desert in Genesis 32, he held on with all of his might, and as a result, he was blessed. You know that holding on to Jesus was dangerous. It was dangerous, but it changed him because he held on to one who alone could save. Listen, I'm confident in passages like I just mentioned in John 10, 29, that no one will snatch us out of Christ's hands. But there are days in your life when you're afraid, when you begin to doubt your salvation, when the waves begin to rise a little bit higher than you're comfortable, when you're unsure, when you're afraid. Can I tell you that you can hold on to Jesus, that you can squeeze tight to Jesus? He will not cast you off. He loves you. Cling to Jesus. Third this morning, you can dwell in Christ. Now, you say, Craig, you said cling and dwell. Aren't those synonyms? Well, let's let's think about this a little bit more. In John 15, Jesus gives us the parable of the vine. He teaches that he is the vine and we are the branches. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But, Jesus warns, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. To abide in Christ is to grow into Christ and to grow in Christ. To abide in Christ is to bear fruit for Christ. To abide in Christ is to live in Christ as Christ lives in us. We must be connected to the root that is Christ if we are to grow. We've got an elm tree. That's what these are out in front of the church. They're they're Chinese elms. I don't know that because I'm so smart. I know that because when Brian planted them, he told me, just so we're all clear. Um, And we got a couple of those out front, and we actually have one back around back on the playground. And it's ugly as sin. Um, We've known it since we planted it. He got it at a good deal and planted it here, and uh, and by good deal, I mean free. Um, And so we figured we could try and make something out of it. Um, but what we had to do is it got rooted in, and, and he said, we need to cut the top out of it, and, and hopefully we can shape it up and make something out of it. And so just a few weeks ago, um, Adam has a, a, a job description here, and it's Minister of Youth and Missions. And then there's this final line. Every, every staff member in the church has a, a line at the bottom of their job description, and it says, other duties as assigned by senior pastor. It's my favorite line in every job description. I don't have one of those at the bottom of my job description. But one of the duties that I signed Adam, actually I asked him, I said, hey, you like chainsaws, why don't you trim up this tree? And he did that. But he also went out back to, just look at that. Those of you in the parking lot, look at that. Y'all, nobody even noticed. He trimmed about eight feet out of that tree. and Now y'all can sit under and enjoy the shade. But he went around back and he trimmed, he cut the top out of that elm tree. You can drive around back today and see it. It looks great. I, I, last night when I come here to work on my sermon, Adam, I drove around back and I looked at that tree. I said, boy, that tree looks good. But where the top of that tree's dead. He lopped it off. He drug it off in the woods somewhere. It's dead. As long as it was connected to the trunk, to the roots, it was supplied with nutrients and water. Photosynthesis could happen. The leaves could continue to push out. But when he cut it off, it died. It's good for nothing. Folks, when we talk about dwelling in Christ, abiding in Christ, we mean staying closely connected so that the Spirit, the power, the life of Christ can fill our veins so that we can produce fruit in accordance with our salvation. That which Galatians calls the fruit of the Spirit Do you abide in Christ? Do you know you abide in Christ? How can you be sure if you belong to Christ? Ask yourself that question. J.C. Ryle says it this way, the fruits of the Spirit are the only satisfactory evidence of a man being a true Christian. Say, do I belong to Jesus? I'm not asking you to ask yourself the question, do I look like Craig Thompson? I pray to God that you don't. I'm asking you to ask yourself the question, do I look more like Jesus today than I did a year ago? Do I look more like Jesus today than I did the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus? Folks, I warn you today, I warn you that if you cannot say that there has been spiritual growth in your life, you need to ask yourself the question, if you are connected to the root that is Jesus Christ, do you belong to Jesus? Are you abiding in Jesus? Are you dwelling in Christ? Folks, if you are, there will be maturity that shows forth. While we were going on vacation, actually somebody in our church gave my two, two of my kids and a couple of other kids in our neighborhood, Taylor Girls, some tomato plants, and they planted them at our house. I don't know how if they were a neighborhood plant how we got responsible for them, but somehow that's what happened. And so they're growing in a container on my back deck. And, of course, while we were on vacation, we had to have somebody to water them, and so somebody came and watered the tomatoes. And it was so funny to me. My kids were so excited when we got out of the car yesterday afternoon that they had red tomatoes on their plants. I don't know if any of them even eat tomatoes, but they were thrilled to death. As long as those plants are healthy... You know what they're going to produce? They're going to produce red tomatoes because tomato plants produce tomatoes. And, folks, as long as we're healthy and connected to Jesus Christ, we're going to produce fruit in accordance with our Christian faith. There should be evidence that we belong to Jesus. And, folks, that evidence isn't a works-based salvation. That evidence is biblical evidence that points to our connection to the root that is not only the son of David, but the son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. How can you be sure? Do you look like a Christian? Not by cultural standards, mind you. Do you look like a Christian by God's standards? So how can you be sure? Trust Christ. Cling to Christ. Dwell in Christ. And finally this morning, rest in Christ. Christ. Rest in Christ. Philippians 4, 7 teaches us that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What is this peace? What is this rest? It is the rest promised by Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all Who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in Jesus. See, for all that we've said this morning about the responsibility to cling to, to cling to Jesus, to trust Jesus, and to dwell in Jesus. Let me remind you that one of the greatest confidence you can ever have of your salvation is to rest in Christ to rest secure in the knowledge that you belong to Jesus. Rest in Christ's victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. Rest in the assurance of Christ's salvation because He did rise from the grave. Rest in Christ's glory as the one who is from eternity. When I was a kid, Zion Hill Baptist Church. We often sang, "What a Friend We Have in Jesus." This morning, I, Kevin, I don't, I don't know where you're sitting. This morning, I, I honestly, he and I talk ahead of time about what I'm going to be preaching, and he arranges the music in accordance with that. And we occasionally have conversation. But me being on vacation, uh, he may have sent it to me. I, I, I didn't even see the songs until this morning. I wasn't sure. I was so grateful. Uh, and I know we're going to be singing an older song at the end here in a minute. But we, we sang in Christ alone. And we've been singing that song I guess Buster probably since I came to Malvern Hill. We've been singing that song for 10 years, 12 years, 13 years here. The song's about 15 or 16 years old, I believe. Now, we don't sing every song that we sing for 10 years. Some songs make it into a rotation and we sing them a few times and then they make it out of the rotation for lack of a better term and and that's because sometimes we don't really think about how well does our, our, con- our, our praise team sing it. We're asking questions about how well does the congregation sing it, number one. Uh, number 1B, or side by side with that, we're asking questions about what is it teaching. Not only is it orthodox in its teaching, but is it giving you something to hold on to? Now, one of the reasons we need to sing songs over and over and over again, though, is because if we have good songs... that are are memorable, or rememberable. If we have good songs that are memorable and that teach us good, right, true things about Christ and about His Word, then music has a way of sticking with us. So we'll sing in Christ alone probably until Jesus comes back because it teaches us so much good stuff. We sing some of those old hymns that have been in use in the English speaking church, and some that even prior to that have been in use in the church for hundreds of years at this point. When I was a kid growing up at Zion Hill Baptist Church, we were a very traditional church, and we sang hymns and Southern gospel all the time. And in my small church, as I mentioned, we often sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Y'all don't know how bad I wanted to sing that this morning, but I was afraid my voice wouldn't get me through it. But I'm going to tell you, when when I run to that song, it takes me back to a wooden pew. At Zion Hill Baptist Church, they've now been covered. They're white. But it takes me back to that sanctuary into a place of rest in Christ. Good music should always teach us something good and right about Jesus and give us an anchor to hold on to. That sometimes when the Word of God won't, won't come to our brains, when we can't bring it up, that perhaps the rhythm, the tempo, the music, Reminds us. And as I was working through this sermon, I was reminded of that old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you a secret? When I hear that song sang, I don't actually want to sing it. That's weird, I know. That song makes me want to sit in a church sanctuary and close my eyes and rest in the confidence that I belong to Jesus. This morning, you can be sure of your salvation. Now, hear me say, there's some of you this morning that I don't want you to be sure in a false sense. There are probably some of you gathered here today, or some of you watching at home, who are banking your hopes for salvation on a good mama or a good daddy. You're banking your hopes for salvation on the fact that you attended VBS when you were a kid, or that you occasionally darkened the doors of a church. Some of you are banking your hopes for salvation on the fact that you gave some money to the church last year. Folks, I want you to know that the only hope you have for eternal salvation is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Not because there are magic words that you speak, but listen, because there is a God who hears If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, today can be the day of your salvation. But if you are here today and you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you can be sure today and for every day moving forward until the day that you stand in the presence of your Lord and Savior that you belong to Jesus. Now, that assurance won't come with a sense of pride that you'll be able to stand in the presence of God and say, let me in. But instead, a sense of humility that you'll be able to stand in the presence of God and say, I deserve nothing, but Jesus died for me anyway. A confidence that Jesus will step in and say, he's mine. How can you be sure this morning? How can you know? It's got to be built on a foundation of repentance and belief. With an edifice of clinging to Christ and dwelling in His presence, and capped off with a roof of rest. How can you be sure? Give your life to Jesus. Then seek to live your life in Christ. So I ask you this morning simply, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? If you say, Craig, I I have, but I'm still not sure. Have you tried to hold on to Jesus to see that he didn't get away? Have you dwelt in Christ? Do you look like Jesus? Can you rest in Jesus? This week at the beach, something happened that I've never had happen in my whole life. Um there was uh there were starfish everywhere. I, I, there were, there'd been a, a story about this in the state paper somewhere they'd washed up some uh, the Garden City Pier I think earlier in, in the month but uh, for a few days we had literally hundreds and hundreds of starfish in my whole life I, maybe I've seen a couple of live starfish on the beach um, but but if I've seen any it's never been more than just a couple and instead we had literally hundreds and hundreds they were so profuse that Sloan actually caught one by accident riding waves. It hit him in the hand, and he held on to it. I mean, they were everywhere. They were a whole lot of fun to put on people that didn't like them. But, you know, it's it's interesting. You, You pick that starfish up, and if you held it on its back, it'd turn over. And if you held it on its, I guess it's, I don't know what you call that. It's bottom. It's got all these little feet that stick out. It's kind of creepy. And it'd crawl off your hand and crawl down and and, and just fall over into the water. you could do that over and over because they were everywhere. You could sail them like a Frisbee. But here's what I knew. I I knew I could obviously cling too tight to it and destroy it. But I I knew that it didn't want me to hold it. You understand? It might tolerate it, but really that starfish wanted me to put it back. There's a lot of things in life that are like that. There are people in your life that are like that. Some of you, unfortunately, have had the experience of having family members, even parents in your life that just didn't want you to hold on to them. They couldn't wait to push you away. And sometimes it's those bad experiences of bad relationships that cause us to question whether or not we can actually be sure of anything, even a relationship with Jesus. Folks, I want you to know today that you can be sure That if you cling tightly to Christ, He will not push you away. If you seek to dwell in Him, He will welcome you in. If you lay down to rest beside Him, He will take your heavy burden and give you His restful yoke. He's a God that loves you. He came to save you. And He wants you to be confident And his saving work on your behalf. If you're here this morning, you'd like to come up here, I'd love to pray with you. If you're at home today and you say, Craig, I just don't know, I want you to know that you can know for sure today. Today can be the day of your salvation. You can pray and say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Please save me. We'd love to counsel with you. You can send send us an email, make a phone call. But if you're in person today, don't wait. Today can be the day. I'd love to pray with you. The cool thing about us being spread out in this parking lot, there might be somebody around you that you'd trust to have that conversation with right now. You can do that. Mature believers all over this place that would love to walk you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I love you. And I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to save us in spite of ourselves. But I pray, God, that you'd be with us today. God, for those that don't know you, I pray today be the day of their salvation. For, Lord God, those who are struggling, Lord, I pray today could be the day that they find assurance in their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.